What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free, 100% free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. It couldn't be easier. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Trapasso here from CBSSports.com, and you are listening to the Prospect Podcast. Different, unique podcast today. I'm going to run through my top 32 big board right now. I've graded out around 100, a little more than 100 prospects at this point. Myself, Ryan Wilson, and Josh Edwards. Um, all the the NFL draft analysts at CBSSports.com have been watching a lot of film over the past couple weeks with the college football season coming to an end for a lot of teams. And now with it fully completed, we have all the film out there try to find the film out there um, to do full evaluations, update players that we were grading and evaluating during the season, and then grade and evaluate these prospects underclassmen that we weren't expecting to come out. And just you always find diamonds in the rough as you're watching other prospects. So with 100 or so guys graded, I'm not going to run through all of those because um, that would just take way too long. And I, I want to keep this podcast relatively short, and it would be pretty hard even listening to keep track of that many players. Um, so top 32, and there are a few bigger name guys I still need to get to and regrade, so I'm not going to include them here. So there may be a name or two um, if you've kind of started to get into the bigger prospects, the household names in this draft class that you're wondering, why doesn't Chris have him graded? I will note those players, but as I'm running through these if you're not hearing someone initially, um, it's probably because I haven't gotten to him yet fully, and I don't want to put a grade out there before I have him fully completed. Um, so with that, around 100, I, I feel pretty good from that to go down to a top 32, which does not mean the players I think are going to go in the first round. It's the prospects that I believe are first-round talents in this class, the top 32 graded prospects right now and I have a pretty elaborate grading system um, that certainly there's subjectivity with it because it's me grading like anyone grading um, off film 
but there's a lot of layers to it and it spits out a number for me at the end based on my observations and my numbers that I give for different attributes and different skills at different positions. And each position is valued differently as well. So I'll start at the top, Joe Burrow, my number one prospect. Um, The only concerns I have for him, one year of elite and unprecedented production and efficiency and the situation at LSU was ridiculous. The receivers, Jamar Chase wins the Bolitnikoff, Justin Jefferson's probably going to be a top 50 selection. And then the most unheralded part of that offense or of LSU's offense, the offensive line won the Joe Moore award at the end of the season for the best offensive line in college football. But there's not that stud that's going to go in the first round that made us kind of look at that LSU offensive line um, much throughout the season. The running backs were good. Obviously, um, Thaddeus Moss came on very strong down the stretch. So if he goes to the Bengals, if a team trades up to get him, which I, I still think the Bengals are just going to pick him at number one, um, how will he do when he has to improvise a little bit more? And he showed an uncanny ability to ad lib and keep his eyes up field and make great accurate throws down the football field in that scramble drill outside the structure of the play. Um, But that's a little bit of a concern is that he's going to would play a little bit more like he did in 2018 when he was pressured a lot more um, than he was this past year. um, And when he wasn't just as good that I, that he's probably not going to go to a team that's ready to compete for the playoffs right away. But the accuracy getting through his reads, um, pocket drifting, pocket patience, will stand in as long as you need him to. I think he's a great athlete for the position. Probably not going to use him in the designed running game, but can certainly hit some chunk plays with his legs, as we saw throughout the entire season and certainly in that college football championship game against Clemson. Um, he's twitchy. He's got good acceleration. He can make cuts off blocks that you don't normally see um, a quarterback make. So Joe Burrow, like probably the rest of the internet and the other draft analysts, is my number one prospect. That's probably the longest description that I'll give for a player, uh, but I just figured with Joe Burrow, there's so much hype around him, such a, you know, kept such an amazing season, would kind of give you the full rundown there. Chase Young, Number two for me, again, like the rest of the internet and the other draft analysts, that's probably where he's going to be for most people. A little bit concerning down the stretch was his lack of production. I think he has a little bit of a problem bending the edge. I don't think he's super stiff by any means, but I think both of the Bosa's were a lot bendier and could dip around the edge. They're a little smaller. Chase Young's about the size of Miles Garrett. Great pass rush move, arsenal, um, speed to power. When an offensive lineman doesn't have the best kick slide or the quickest kick slide in pass protection, he can bend the corner. But I think we saw after that middle point of the season where he had a bunch of sacks and a couple games before the suspension where people were calling him the best prospect of all time, um, that after that, um, and he, it wasn't like he was just repeatedly getting double teamed wasn't as productive and I I just noticed that a couple times he was getting pushed past the quarterbacks that's the only real concern he and Joe Burrow have very minor concerns I think they're both going to be good pros so Joe Burrow number one Chase Young number two number three I have Tua Tagovailoa and I didn't think 
it's it's kind of weird. I didn't think during the season that I had him graded that I would have him ultimately graded as high as what he came out to be graded as. Just I think he checks all the boxes that you need um, beyond having he does not have a huge arm. And although he ran a little bit in college, I don't think that's really going to be a part of his game at all in the NFL. I think Joe Burrow's a better athlete than him. Um, But in terms of refinement as a passer, getting through his reads, identifying where blitzes are coming from, where the hot read needs to go, um, moving inside the pocket, like kind of old school, traditional, just feels pressure from his left, steps up to the right makes accurate throws down the field. He's similar to Joe Burrow, though, you know, had an unreal situation with those receivers, the offensive line. Um, Will ultimately have multiple first-round picks on it. Jedrick Wills, who I'll get to in a little bit, is probably going to go in the first round this year. Alex Leatherwood, his left tackle, is probably going to be a first-round pick next year. Um, So, Tua, again, is going to go to a team like Joe Burrow that is not probably ready to compete for the playoffs immediately and might have some holes up front and at receiver, but he has everything that you'd really want from a quarterback besides the big arm, Um, and he's not a crazy athlete. And I think being a really good athlete is important in today's NFL. I mean, look around the league. We're getting to a changing of the guard where the stoic pocket passers are kind of going by the wayside, and the Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson – um, Josh Allen, that type, that prototype of being able to elude the rush and still make plays outside the pocket is very important. Russell Wilson still a little older, but still in that group as well. So Joe Burrow, number one, Chase Young, number two, Tua Tagovailoa, number three, Jeffrey Akuda number four, and I'll start to get through these a little quicker. He, I've wrote, I've written this repeatedly, said it repeatedly. He has slot cornerback type quickness, twitchiness, mirroring ability, but he's 6'1 and 200 pounds with long arms and great awareness. I think he will, and I think he should be the first first cornerback off the board. Number five, I have T. Higgins. He's my number one wide receiver in this class, narrowly over Jerry Judy, who's at number six. Um, Judy's more sudden and will probably be more creative and more dynamic after the catch. Um, but I think T. Higgins knows how to beat press at the line. I think Judy does as well, but I think Higgins is better than you would think for being a tall, lanky wide receiver, uses his hands well, pretty shifty, um, beating press coverage at the line, and and that is, I think, vital for these young wide receivers to be able to come in right away when a lot of them haven't dealt with that in college. To be able to come in right away, beat press coverage, that's, I think, the first step into being productive as a rookie in, in your second season in the NFL. And the kind of the difference between Higgins and Judy to me is that Higgins has the best ball skills that I've seen since Mike Evans in 2014 and that's the whole package the catch radius the body control near the sideline the strong hands amazing hands catching ability literally rebounds the ball like your basketball coach said you know rebound the ball and keep it up and don't bring it down where it can get striped swiped away t higgins um can do that from any angle with body contorted in any position throw to his left to his right low diving near the sideline he is outstanding in contested catch situations, ball skills through the roof, very fast down the field as well. I think he's going to test pretty well in that area. Not going to get you as much separation as Jerry Judy, um, 
but I think he's good enough in that area where it's not going to be a problem that he's going to be blanketed um, at the intermediate level or down the field. And that I think he's fast enough that teams are going to be at times afraid to play press coverage against him because with his ability to beat the press at the line, his speed and the contested catch situation, you're talking about, you know, if a corner doesn't have the perfect technique and have the length and have the fundamentals, um, at, at the line of scrimmage in press coverage, you're talking about a 50-yard touchdown. So those are my top two receivers, T. Higgins, number five, Jerry Judy, number six. Then next I have Isaiah Simmons. I first graded him as a linebacker, then going back to rewatch him, saw him playing a little bit more safety for Clemson. He's the modern-day back seven defensive player that he can do everything. He can play anywhere. He can get to the sideline with insane range in coverage and against the run, um, explosive in his lower half, um, very long arms, 6'4", 225. I don't know how twitchy he is, and his change of direction isn't like through the roof, which is probably why he's not even a little higher, and I have him at number seven. Um, but he can cover tight ends. He can cover backs. He's not going to defeat a lot of blocks, but he's going to beat a lot of offensive linemen that are pulling to the second level because he's just so fast and has that large tackling radius. So Isaiah Simmons, just plug him in anywhere. Let him be. I kind of use Telvin Smith as kind of the prototype, and and, and he retired from football before last season um, but was emerging as one of the best uh, weak side linebackers in the NFL before that. And at Florida State, he like played safety, played linebacker. People wanted to put him at safety because he was thinner. That's Isaiah Simmons, but he's chiseled and he has more experience at multiple spots. Isaiah Simmons, prototype back-end player for today's NFL. After Isaiah Simmons at number eight, Georgia tackle Andrew Thomas. I thought he cleaned up his footwork a great deal in 2019. His kick slide is very good. He is prototypically the right size with the right length to play left tackle in the NFL I'm not going to say he's ready to dominate in terms of power or strength when it comes to facing defensive ends at the NFL level, but he's pretty close. He's very strong in the run game, effective combo blocker, blocked for the run a lot at Georgia under Kirby Smart the past couple seasons. And I'm not a big fan of doing this. I think watching a player's last season is most important, obviously, but go back and watch him face Josh Allen. Um, of Kentucky, who had a great season for the Jaguars, was a top 10 pick last year. Um, he dominated as you know an underclassman at that point. So Andrew Thomas, my top offensive lineman, number eight on my big board at this point. Number nine, CeeDee Lamb. And that's three wide receivers in the top 10. The only concern I have with him is that in the Big 12, it's just kind of like the wild, wild west. Like there is not a lot of press coverage, free releases, Air raid everywhere. Defenses really just have no answer for it yet. I think he has what it takes to be um, a receiver that can beat press at the line to kind of create that initial separation, um, but I haven't seen it a lot. But in terms of contested catchability, speed, yards after the catch, unreal. I think he's as good, if not better, than Jerry Judy in that way that he truly becomes a running back. Um, once he catches the football, has just amazing vision to see where defenders are and where he needs to cut. Twitchy, powerful. He's a load to bring to the turf, although he's not super big, um, and will come down with some acrobatic catches when there's a safety over the top, when there is coverage on him. 
CeeDee Lamb, my number nine overall player, my third wide receiver in the top 10. Right after him, to round out the top 10, Christian Fulton from LSU didn't have the greatest national title game against Clemson, and he's a little bit shorter and smaller and more compact than Jeffrey Okuda, and I think that's the biggest difference maker. That's why there's a disparity in my grades between those two. But in terms of twitch and zone savvy and the ability to just mirror and lock down a receiver, he's up there with Jeffrey Akuda in, in those very important areas. I think he's probably even better in zone than Jeffrey Akuda is. He played a little bit more zone than the Ohio State corner did. So Christian Fulton, you might kind of dock him a little bit because he's not going to come in at six foot. He's not going to be someone that's only going to play on the outside. But with the way that receivers move around today, you want someone that can go down into the slot and you're not worried about him not being smooth enough or fluid enough in his hips and his ankles to deal with slot wide receivers or quicker number one uh, guys like an Odell Beckham, um, you know, that can create separation with their quickness. Christian Fulton can match that. He's my number two corner. He's my number 10 overall player at this point. Right behind him, another LSU Tiger at number 11, uh, Caleb Von uh, Chasen, and that he had an amazing college football playoff. I thought he was ridiculous against Oklahoma and against Clemson. He didn't have a sack, only had two tackles, but was repeatedly like when you were watching Trevor Lawrence drop back, Caleb on chase on was just in Trevor Lawrence face. Looked like he got held about five or six times. His spin move is the best in the class, heavy club move. Um, very powerful, and he's 6'4", 250, looks like he doesn't have an ounce of fat on his body. War number 18 at LSU, and, and that kind of has, that kind of carries some weight because they don't give out that number to everyone. You have to be a leader on and off the field. Um, Tredavious White wore that number in the past. Jacob Hester, if you remember that running back, just these blue-collar guys that come to work every day. Caleb on Chason had some injuries but was pretty much fully healthy this year and was just dynamic off the edge, has speed, speed to power, good bull rush, does not let offensive linemen get into his body very often, counter moves. He's kind of the modern-day outside linebacker, defensive end, just edge rusher that he's not going to be tremendous against the run, but you want pass rushers when you're picking that early, and he is definitely refined and explosive. Caleb on chase on LSU, number 11 overall. Number 12, Justin Herbert from Oregon. That's probably the highest um, that you may see him from uh, from any other draft analyst. There's just five to seven wild throws that he makes a game across the field with anticipation, accuracy, throws on the uh, run very well. He's very patient inside the pocket. I thought earlier in his career at Oregon, and it was kind of the knock I had on him after watching him in 2018, First read wasn't there, maybe would peak at the second read, but then would take off and run. Because he is athletic, he's 6'6", he has long strides, he's pretty twitchy. This year I thought he got better standing in and surveying. Is he Tua Tagovailoa when it comes to getting through his reads and throwing to a third read? No, but the accuracy is there for the most part. There'll be a couple weird misses a game, but they'll, again, it be counteracted and, and kind of outweighed by those insane throws that Burrow can't really make. Tagovailoa probably cannot make. Um, no other quarterback really can make. Maybe Jordan Love at times can pull off some crazy stuff, um, but there's just too much talent, and I'm a 
big proponent of quarterbacks that come into the NFL with a lot of experience in three full years as a starter at Oregon. Although we didn't really see him take off to the level that we expected after that big sophomore year in 2017, I think Justin Herbert coming back was the right thing. Was a little handcuffed in that offense. I don't really know why they threw so many screens. Um, Is that a red flag or is it just the offensive philosophy? But the arm talent, the athleticism, the ability to throw on the run and drop some dimes down the field. Um, Justin Herbert, my number three quarterback and my number 12 overall player right now in the 2020 NFL draft class. Right behind him, Yeter Gross Matos from Penn State, my number 13 overall player. Big, long, strong, and I've continually wrote this about him, ascending player on the edge that he had more production last year. But a lot of that was he was the unblocked defensive uh, end against read options and got a lot of tackles for loss that way, a lot of coverage sacks. I thought his pass rushing moves got a lot better, a lot more effective. He used more of them, inside move, outside move, swipe, club, swim. Um, He's just ascending in that way and that he's young. He's listed at 6'4 and 265, and he looks skinny. It looks like he could add 10 to 15 pounds of his frame and really be a sturdy three-down edge rusher that's not just going to set the edge and be a run stopper but really affect the quarterback because of his long arms and that improving ascending ability with his hands in the pass rush move department. So Yeter Grossmatos from Penn State, Fun prospect, young prospect, my number 13 overall player in this class. Number 14, Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina. Another one that's maybe not going to have or going to check the production box um, for a lot of teams. But watching him, he is electric off the line. And he's 6'6", over 300 pounds, long arms, continually jolts interior offense lineman. And because of the size and the length at 6'6", and around 305, 310, You can play him at end Um, if you think it's a run play. You can certainly play him inside. You can even play him at the nose if you want to let him use his length against a squatty or center. Um, Great pass rushing moves, very heavy hands. He's not just flailing his arms at at nothing. Active and powerful, and that's what you want um, from your arms, from your hands, from your defensive lineman. And Javon Kinlaw has all those. Um, Very good player. High motor, very good at defeating blocks. Not really a big two-gapper, but in today's NFL with the the way and the speed at which the passes come out, you don't really need or want necessarily a two-gapper. If you're picking him in the first round, you want someone that gets up the field, disrupts running plays, and can pressure the quarterback, and Javon Kinlaw can definitely do that. My number 14 overall prospect at this point, Javon Kinlaw, defensive lineman, from South Carolina. Number 15, Tristan Wirfs. He is one of the strongest offensive line prospects that I've seen. And he's not some redshirt senior that's had six years um, inside a team's weight room or weight program, strength and conditioning program. Um, He's a younger prospect. He could have stayed for his senior year, decides to come out. Um, And beyond his strength, he's wide. He has good length. And there are times in which he's beaten by a counter move, but I think he recovers well because he's a plus athlete. Despite when you see him on film, you see, oh, this is this big, overwhelming kind of plotter of a blocker. And he's really not. I think his kick slide is very good, very balanced. He 
Anchor is effortlessly. You don't see a lot of backbend, but he doesn't really need to because he's so strong in his upper half. Um, I think he'll probably be the second offensive lineman on the board. He's or off the board. He's my number two offensive lineman behind Andrew Thomas. Tristan Wirfs, my number 15 overall prospect. The offensive tackle from Iowa. Spent time at right tackle and left tackle for the Hawkeyes. Right after him, Derek Brown, number 16 overall. Probably the lowest that you might see him. Um, I, I see shades of Marcel Darius. And that's is, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I think we can kind of get um, put in awe by these huge, powerful defensive linemen that move like they're the size of Aaron Donald. And, I mean, I'm not going to say that, obviously, Derek Brown is not as explosive as Aaron, as Aaron Donald, but he moves. His first step, suddenness, is not that of a 6'5", 320, 330-pounder. Bull Rush is going to push back centers and offensive guards immediately. He has NFL strength right now. And at times, he showed a nice swim move, but there are many rushes where I'm not going to say that he didn't put forth enough effort, but played high and just kind of looked complacent to a certain degree or just didn't have the counter moves in his arsenal to deploy them in the middle of a game. So I think against the run, he will help your interior run defense immediately because he can two-gap. Um, not great against double teams, can get pushed back and, and doesn't really anchor in that sense, but will throw blockers out of the way, has a large tackle radius, will not miss a lot of tackles. Um, but as a pass rusher, I think... Think he still needs to get better, and and I think if you're picking a six foot five, three hundred and thirty pound interior lineman who's a senior, already a little bit older, are you really wanting that in the first round? Where you're like, okay, how many years is it going to take for him to be a really good pass rusher? So I still like Derek Brown. I, I mean, he's my number sixteen overall prospect at this point, but to have him in my top five or top ten, I just from what I saw from his film this year, um, I did not see an elite pass rusher. I like the swim move. I love the bull rush. But beyond that, I think offensive linemen will be able to – some offensive linemen will be able to take that away. And then what is he giving you? That in It's not 2010. It's 2020. The teams are passing more than ever. They're getting it out faster than ever. So you need pass rushing ability, elite pass rushing ability, if you're picking a defensive lineman uh, in the first round. So Derek Brown, Auburn defensive lineman, my number 16 overall prospect right now. I'll go a little faster in the back half. AJ Epinesa, um, I've tweeted before that I would have loved to see some Iowa practice film, the battles between Epinesa and Tristan Wirfs because they're both immensely powerful Epines is listed, I think, at like 6'4", 280. Um, as a part-time player, he was really splashy. Full-time, not as much production or efficiency, but even though he didn't start with a lot of sacks this season, I thought he was productive early in the year, and then the sacks started to come later in the season. Pretty good um, repertoire of pass rushing moves. Nice swim to the inside. He's a little bit bendier than you would think for a 6'4", 280 pound player because I think he, pound for pound, is a fantastic athlete. Bull Rush is going to put offensive tackles on skates because he is pretty quick off the line and he's so powerful and he's just got so much mass behind him. Um, so AJ Epinesa for a team that just wants. Listen, we're, we don't want a pass rushing specialist. We need a three-down defensive end to come in and produce, play 70% of the snaps, maybe get 
eight to 10 sacks, 60, 70 tackles. That can be AJ Epinesa. He is my number 17 overall player right now. Right behind him, Jedrick Wells. Wow. Jedrick Wills from Alabama, right tackle, former big recruit. Didn't really come into his own until this season. Um, I don't really get what I'm seeing of this. He's the number one offensive lineman. He's going to go in the top 10 um, that I've seen from a few other analysts out there. And and that's fine. Everyone sees things differently because he's kind of heavy footed. But it's almost as if he knows that he is because his fundamentals have to be perfect. And they are. He does not bend at the knees. Bends gets really low in his crouch. Um, bends at the knees very well. Um, super strong in the run game. Once he gets moving forward, because he is bigger and because he plays with such a low center of gravity for being an offensive tackle, he is going to push linebackers, defensive linemen, whatever gets thrown at him out of the way. And in pass protection, maybe the quicker, smaller, bendier edge rushers are going to give him problems, um, especially earlier in his career. But anyone trying to use power against him, counter moves, he has very good grip strength. He can recover because there's enough athleticism in there that that he can slide laterally if he needs to for an inside move um, or to push an offensive lineman pass or uh, defensive lineman past the quarterback. So Jedrick Wills, my number three offensive tackle, my number 18 overall player in this class. Right behind him, a teammate of his, Henry Ruggs, wide receiver from Alabama. Um, didn't see a lot of high volume production from him later in the season was just otherworldly efficient um, when it came to scoring touchdowns during his career at Alabama, because I think he is going to run um, somewhere between mid four twos and the mid four threes. He is just absolutely dynamic down the field and a lot of speedsters in in doing this for a fair amount of years now. A lot of like the burners, they're not they're either super super small and kind of twitchy, but you know that their size is going to hinder them or they're just straight line fast. And I don't think Rugs is. I mean, and, and and I'm not the only one who thinks that, but um he's twitchy. He his change of direction ability is outstanding, and that's why I have someone that, you know, didn't have 1,300 yards and 15 touchdowns with 70 catches um, so high because the speed, he can catch a slant and hit home runs that way. He can certainly threaten you down the field. Pretty good ball skills. He's a little smaller, might be around 5'10 to 6 foot, 180, 190 pounds. Um, But his twitch and I think his route running skills are good enough that he can be a well-rounded wide receiver. Kind of think John Brown, that that John Brown came into the NFL out of Pittsburgh State in 2014. And, oh, look at how fast he is. He runs 4-3-4. But as we've seen in Baltimore and as we saw this year in Buffalo with the Bills, he can run the whole route tree because he's twitchy, has good hands, and can threaten you after the catch when he catches you know, a 15-yard dig around. I think Henry Ruggs will be actually more productive and can be a more higher volume wide receiver in the NFL than what he was at Alabama. So Henry Ruggs, my number four wide receiver, my number 19 overall player at this point. Behind him, completely different size player, Makai Becton, gigantic offensive lineman from Louisville. He's one of a few offensive linemen, and I'm going to get to another one in a minute, that these oversized Orlando Brown, Trent Brown size offensive linemen in this class that move like they're 
three inches shorter and 40 pounds lighter. And Becton, I've tweeted this, I've written this, he will throw you out of the club in the run game. That he just effortlessly, oh, there's a linebacker and he's gone. Oh, there's a corner, he's gone. There's a defensive lineman, I'm throwing him out of the way. And in pass protection, it's I, I got shades of watching Orlando Brown at Oklahoma. Almost looks effortless that... Not a lot of backbend when he anchors because he doesn't need to. He's not going to be the fastest in his kick slide, but the arc that he creates with his length um, is just insurmountable for edge rushers at times. Just a very, very good athlete. 6'8", 350, 360. If he slims down a little bit, I think that's where you'll see his feet get a little bit quicker. And I think you could really be talking about someone that's an all-pro down the road. Makai Becton. My number four offensive tackle, my number 20 overall prospect. Um, Jalen Rieger, TCU wide receiver, um, did not have a lot of production. And, and you've, if you've read any of my articles this year, you've heard me or you've read this from me. Um, he was held back by his quarterback play that there's times where he's wide open down the field and the ball is three yards short or it's well over his head. As sudden as they come in this class, I was just talking about Henry Ruggs um, being twitchy. Jalen Rieger is like a step ahead of that. Uh, he's awesome getting off the line. He is smaller, but very chiseled. You're not talking about a, a tiny frame that doesn't have any muscle on it. He is very chiseled. Um, there are some concentration drops on some throws that are wide open, but I think he plays the football very well in the air, and he plays actually bigger than his size down the field, um, just tracks it well, certainly a hands catcher and can go up and get it because he's so explosive in his lower half. And he's, you know, he's got that kick return ability. And I think TCU used him back there because they know how dangerous he is in space that we're not talking about Tavon Austin here. We're talking about a complete wide receiver that can run intricate routes, will turn cornerbacks left and right, and they won't know where Jalen Rieger is. Um, a team that's probably going to pick him in the back half of the first round is going to get um, an electric player who, similar to Henry Ruggs, is going to be better in the NFL um, than he was at TCU, especially from a stat perspective. Jalen Rieger, my number 22 overall prospect. Number 23 overall, Isaiah Wilson. Felt like I was watching Mekhi Becton with him. I think there's actually more athletic promise from Isaiah Wilson. He's only a redshirt sophomore, was a big recruit out of Brooklyn, New York for Georgia, but 6'7", 6'8", 340, 350, just oversized at right tackle. But you, the first snap that you watch from him, you go, wow, because you see him get back in his uh, kick slide almost faster than Andrew Thomas. In the run game, certainly can be very powerful, very effective, not out of control when he's getting to, to the second level, plays very balanced. Um, I, I just like that he's not whiffing or, or, or just flailing at linebackers at the next level. He knows how big he is and just even standing in the way can almost be a block in and of itself. Um, could get a little more powerful in his lower half because he's so tall. There are times that he couldn't really anchor because he got out leveraged, but his speed and his kick slide is better than Becton's. I just think he might deal with some lower speed to power edge rush edge rushers early in his career, but 
I can understand why he came out as a redshirt sophomore because the athleticism, the strength in general, the the ability as a run blocker are there for Isaiah Wilson. I think he should and probably will be a first-round pick. Um, after him, Neville Gallimore, number 23 overall, I believe. Um, number 20, yeah. Number 23 overall, Neville Gallimore, Oklahoma, um, lost some weight over the offseason, and it it really paid huge dividends for him. That he is your kind of your classic um, penetrating three technique. I think he can play the nose at times because he does have a pretty long frame. Six foot four, very dynamic off the snap, great get off. Uses his hands pretty well. Um, high motor. He will run down plays from the backside. If you need someone to be, I think he can play 40 to 60% of the snaps as a rookie. You don't have to take him off the field on first down or on third down. Really rounded into his game very well this year for Oklahoma. Neville Gallimore. Maybe slow down a little bit down the stretch, but everything from the traits to the ability to use his hands and use his length to keep blockers off him. Neville Gallimore, um, one of the best defensive tackles in this class, and my number 23 overall player. Number 24 overall, LaVisca Chenault, 6'2", 220 pounds, and not just because he wore number two and not just because he has dreadlocks, reminds me of Sammy Watkins at Clemson for a lot of the right reasons and a few of the wrong reasons that... I'll start with the wrong reasons, and I'm not someone to predict injuries. I'm not a big, oh, he's injury prone, but there always seems to be something off with LaVisca Chenault, that you see the yards after the catch ability, the suddenness that he's a horse in the open field, um, these splash plays where you're wondering, how did he make that catch down the field with two defenders on him? How did he track that football? Look at the leaping ability. Um but why is he having games with one catch for eight yards? And and what are these undisclosed injuries that he's having? So I think in the right system, and if he can stay healthy, he can be the higher level that we've seen from Sammy Watkins. But it would not shock me if in four years he kind of turns into what Sammy Watkins has become, which is one of the strangest developments, I think, um, that he is in this Kansas City Chiefs offense, and he's kind of nowhere to be found. You kind of forget he's on that team and was a huge free agent signing for them after he was with Buffalo and with uh, L.A. with the Rams for that one season. It's kind of become, you know, not even part of the offense. But anyway, back to Chenault. I think um, a team that wants to run a West Coast offense that will throw him the ball on drag routes and let him use that combination of size, speed, athleticism in the open field will love him, I think, um, geez, the Green Bay Packers, the in- Indianapolis Colts would make a lot of sense for him. LaVisca Chenault, my number 24 overall player. Right behind him, Grant Delpit, the LSU safety, probably the lowest you'll see him um, on a lot of boards. He's good in coverage. I don't know how great he is in coverage. He's 6'3", he's over 200 pounds, big recruit. You know the athleticism is there. I thought he was better as a freshman and a sophomore as he was this season. There were ankle injuries, but even before that, um, a lot of missed tackles, diving at running backs instead of just squaring up and using that big tackle radius and that athleticism, the power to just wrap up. Um, so I think he's kind of a robber, a strong safety. Occasionally you can use him in the deep middle. I think those deep middle safeties are rare and more valuable. Um, but he's not Isaiah Simmons, but I think the athleticism and the size, um, and just what he did show it 
at times covering tight ends and in zone at LSU will get him drafted very high, and he'll probably be a very good player for a long time. Right after him at number 27 overall, Brian Edwards, um, or 26 overall, excuse me, Brian Edwards, and this is probably the highest that you'll see him. One of my top receivers, and clearly I have a lot of receivers in my top 32 at this point. Um, he kind of reminds me of Michael Thomas, that he's like around the same size, like 6'2", 6'3", 210, 215, good frame um, in terms of his muscle mass, pretty savvy getting off the line um, and creating separation despite being bigger, awesome ball skills. He will catch anything thrown his way. If there's a corner on him, it doesn't matter. And then after the catch, you're like surprised. You see 6'3", you see 215, um, you see that he's bigger and you think, okay, this is just a guy that's going to run a comeback and go out of bounds and be a possession guy, move the chains. But after the catch, he is dynamic. And there were times this year at South Carolina where they were throwing him screens. He had a long uh, screen against Missouri that Caught a tunnel screen and just accelerated. Long strides, pretty good suddenness. Hit a big play. Don't remember exactly if it went for a touchdown, but it was like a 70-yard play on a screen. Had a catch-of-the-year candidate against Tennessee, one-handed, left-hand, near the right sideline, got his foot in bounds. Brian Edwards, I think, is someone he's probably going to go in the second round, but I have a first-round grade on him. I think we're going to be wondering why he didn't go in the first round in a couple years. After Brian Edwards at number 27 overall, I have Jacob Eason. And I, I I don't like a lot about his game in terms of his ability to stay comfortable inside the pocket when his first read isn't there. But a lot of this has to do with, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, um, the value of the positions. And I do what I, or I have inside my grading system, what I call position addition and quarterbacks get the highest position addition just because it's so valuable. The one thing I will say on a positive note from him, and, and he is inside my first round, back end of the first round, Jacob Eason, because watching his film, you are blown away by his arm strength that we just had Drew Locke last year, the year before that, Josh Allen, the year before that, Patrick Mahomes, crazy arm strength from those three quarterbacks. Jacob Eason is going to be right up there with all three of those quarterbacks in terms of arm strength right away. And I think, I used to not think that arm strength mattered that much because the whole league was basically West Coast offense, so many short passes. It was all about timing and rhythm and anticipation and accuracy. Now with so much spread and that you're having to make long throws to the perimeter and a lot of teams are running four verticals a lot, you have to be able to push the ball down the field in a hurry. And Jacob Eason just looks like the textbook quarterback when it comes to his delivery and just how the ball absolutely explodes off his hands. He's got great pocket patience. He wants to throw from inside the pocket and kind of be a a bigger point guard back there. Um, But if his first read isn't there, he's not very deft at getting through his reads. I think that kind of comes from the fact that he's not super experienced. Only, let's say, one and a half years of experience as a starter at Georgia and then at Washington, but he's 6'5", pretty good athlete. I don't think he's going to be amazing, but he can pick up some yards as a runner when need be. Has a bad tendency to spin away from pressure, turn his back um, to the targets, um, which leads to sacks, which leads to a lot of throwaways. But he will throw some absolute missiles 
forgot who it was against, but there was a throw where the ball was literally on a it may have been against Utah on a line 45 yards. Like truly, the ball like barely went above where it ultimately landed. It was an absolute rope 40 to 45 yards into the end zone. A lot of balls that, you know, he might be a tick late realizing where he needs to throw the ball or recognizing coverage and where that dictates he should throw the football, but he can still fit the football. And he actually reminds me a lot of Matthew Stafford in that sense, um, that Jacob is supremely talented, but when it comes to the nuances of playing the quarterback position, he's not there yet. And that's why I have him a little bit lower in the first round, my number 28 overall prospect and my number four quarterback behind Joe Burrow, Tua Tungavailoa and Jacob, uh, or, and Justin Herbert. Right after him, uh, number 29 overall, Josh Uchi, Uche, Ochi. I've seen it like 15 different places and heard it uh, or pronounced 15 different ways in 15 different places. And a lot of the color commentators watching the games or uh, watching his film pronounce it differently. U-C-H-E will probably get an actual official pronunciation from him at some point during the pre- pre-draft process. Played at Michigan, smaller, 6'3", 240, 250, but speed to power. And it's incredible. Watch the Iowa game. Watch him against Alaric Jackson, who's probably going to go in the first round next year. And watch him against Tristan Wirfs, who are much bigger, much stronger, uh, just much more powerful than Uchi. And he's driving them back into Nate Stanley a few other times during the season in other games. That speed rush just instantly gets converted to power once he makes contact at the point of attack. Um, Some pass rushing moves, but his speed and his bend really, along with that speed to power conversion, are what have me really excited about him. And the fact that Michigan used him as an off-ball linebacker at times, and that he looked the part when it came to sinking in coverage, to covering man-to-man at times. So I think he's kind of the modern-day edge rusher, Sam linebacker, that if you need him to drop, that's fine. But he can really bring a lot of juice off the edge. Could get a little better with his hands, but he's not completely stagnant with them. Can win back to the inside um, on occasion. Swipe move is there. What you like to see, it shows that he has a plan. But that speed to power, man, that bull rush is just drew me in. It, it was too alluring to not have him in my first round. So Josh Uche Ochi from Michigan, um, my number 29 overall prospect. A few more. Number 30, uh, Tyler Johnson from Minnesota. And yes, that would be, I believe, eight wide receivers in my first round. Um, he had just been the staple of consistent production, had back-to-back identical seasons, 70-plus catches, believe 1,100-plus yards at Minnesota as a junior and a senior. Even as a sophomore, he was very productive on a team that did not throw for a lot of passing yards. In terms of receiving yard market share, he's going to be as good as any other prospect in this class, above 35% in those last three seasons, up over 40 last year, I believe 43%, and around 40 this year. Um, he's not going to run 4-4, and I don't think he's going to crush his combine. Um, but after the catch, he's C.D. Lamb-esque in terms of instantly recognizing where other cornerbacks are 
and where he needs to kind of cut. He's a running back in space, as we saw in that bowl game against Auburn. Um, ridiculous ball skills. There'll be some drops on slams when he kind of feels he's going to get hit because he's a little smaller. I think he's very savvy beating press at the line. Enough athleticism laterally and good with his hands to beat those aggressive physical corners. Um, and just kind of the modern-day wide receiver in that you can throw him a drag route and he can make four defenders miss and hit you know, ultimately what is a 25, 30 yard gain um, will make those tough catches on deep balls down the field. Tyler Johnson from Minnesota, my number 30 overall prospect. Number 31, Asang Bassey. And this is probably as high as you're going to see him maybe throughout the entire pre-draft process. Missed a lot of tackles, um, but he's kind of a player that I, I don't hate that he misses a lot of tackles because he gets to the football on a lot of plays where corners are just not really interested in getting there, or they just don't have the speed and the twitchiness to get there on running plays. He's a smaller corner, but three years of double-digit pass breakups. Not as productive this year as he was last year. A little smaller, but I think he's got good length. I'm really interested to see um, at the Senior Bowl and then at the Combine, you know how he measures in in terms of is he 30 or does he have 31 inch arms? 32 maybe would be great. Um, anything above 30, I think, for a smaller corner is good. Great twitch, great savviness in zone. He will come off who he's covering and make a play on another route. Um, he mirrors very well because he's such a good athlete. I think he's decently fast down the field. So he's kind of that playmaker that, you know, again, may not be the surest tackler on the outside for you, but is going to do everything else well, can play multiple coverages and excel in them right away. Senior, very experienced, very productive for Wake Forest. Isang Bassey, my number 31 overall player. And to finish um, my top 32 first-round big board at this point, Troy Dye, linebacker from Oregon, he and uh, Trayvon Diggs, by the way, have the same grade for me right now. But I'm going to go with Troy Dye to talk about a linebacker after just talking about another corner. Um, Troy Dye is not going to wow athletically at the combine, but he's six foot four, 225, 230 pounds, loads of experience, has seen every route concept, has seen every key from his off from offensive linemen during his illustrious career with the Ducks. And I love his coverage ability. Not a ton of ball production, um, but I think he took a lot of throws away because he reads the quarterback eyes well. He knows where routes are going to be behind him. He gets great depth in zone coverage. Um, he just has good athleticism and, and good instincts, good awareness. I think he was very well coached. Um, not going to blow up a pulling guard to get to the ball carrier, but enough speed and enough athleticism um, to have good range as a tackler. And he has good range in coverage as well. So I, and I think being six, four and having long arms and not being six, four and 260 pounds, but being on the lighter side will help him transition quickly and acclimate right away to the NFL. Troy Dye is rounding out my top 32 um, linebacker from Oregon. These grades are going to move a little bit, but just wanted to give you a sense of some of the players that I have a little higher, a little lower at this point. That's my top 30, 32 big board. A few players I do need to still watch, a couple corners. Cam Dantzler from Mississippi State. Watch him during the season, but I need to regrade, need to get to some more Mississippi State film. Uh, and the secondary members from Utah, Julian Blackman, Jalen Johnson, um, need to get to them. Terrell Burgess, another senior bowl invite, um, had a really good season for the Utes. Have to watch him as well. 
Justin Jefferson, you're probably wondering where is he. Um, need to watch a little more of him and regrade him because obviously LSU just got done playing, so I need to watch those games in depth. Um, I, I'm not envisioning I'm going to have him in the first round, but but we'll let that kind of play out and just let the grading system do its work based on my observations. Big slot, not a lot of intricacy to his game, was thrown a lot of wide-open passes this year. And did flash in the contested catch situations at times from Joe Burrow um, and was pretty good after the catch. But I think a lot of his production, you see over 100 catches, over 1,300 yards, ton of touchdowns. You're thinking, wow, this guy must be, you know, he's going to go number or he's going to be the first wide receiver off the board. I don't know if that's necessarily should be the case for Justin Jefferson. So those are the three. C.J. Henderson, too, the corner from Florida. I need to watch him. Um, but there is my top 32 big board, Joe Burrow, Chase Young, Tua Tagovailoa, Jeffrey Okuda, T Higgins, Jerry Judy, Isaiah Simmons, Andrew Thomas, CeeDee Lamb, Christian Fulton, Caleb Von Chason, Justin Herbert, Yitir Grossmatos, Javon Kinlaw, Tristan Wirfs, Derek Brown, AJ Epinesa, Jedrick Wills, Henry Ruggs, Makai Becton, Jalen Rieger, Isaiah Wilson, Neville Gallimore, LaVisca Chenault, Grant Delpit, Brian Edwards, Jacob Eason, Josh Uchi, Tyler Johnson, Isang Bassey, and Troy Dye. And I'm just realizing now looking at the list that I've been staring at that I did not talk about Jeff Gladney from TCU. He's also in my top in my first round. So maybe if you're listening to this, you're wondering, hey, he skipped a number. Jeff Gladney was right in between Jacob Eason and Josh Uchi from Michigan. Um, smaller, lanky, but super twitchy, super productive. Um, battles when the football's in the air. Um, I think some bigger corners are going to give him problems, but I like his speed. I love his athleticism. Um, I love that he comes up in the run game and will tackle well. Um, so Jeff Gladney, kind of off the radar because TCU did not have a great season, um, but for a few years now, just his mirroring skills have put him on the NFL radar, and now he's finally going to the NFL. Jeff Gladney, I'm interested to see how he measures in and how he tests at the combine because he looks kind of skinny, lanky, but he looks like a tremendous athlete and very experienced, very aware when the football um is arriving and he understands intricacies of routes and has the athleticism to stick in the hip pocket of wide receivers. So in doing that kind of reread, I found that I missed Jeff Gladney, TCU cornerback, but that should be 32. And one last note, I have Jonathan Taylor just outside my first round right now. As a running back, he gets no position addition because it's to me beyond punters, long snappers, kickers, the least valuable position in the NFL today. But I love Jonathan Taylor. He's my number one running back. Any questions, any comments, post um, wherever you're listening to this podcast or reach out to me on Twitter or on Instagram at Chris Trapasso. Thank you for listening. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.